Jacob, are you pondering what I'm pondering? I think so, Drew. But wouldn't Moriarty disappear out of the holodeck? I think the only thing holographic is your brain. No, you fool, we're going to review an animated uh, movie on this here podcast. Brilliant! No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why would anybody want to listen to geek, two geeks like us? Because, you fool, these people have uh, are so very easily entertained. Okay, Drew. Nerf! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who... Uh, Likes to hide behind that that uh, camouflage, Jacob. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Why? Stand very, very still. Maybe we won't see. Nah, it didn't work. Ah, <laughs> sorry, Drax. <laughs> Why? Thank you, and like to introduce our co-host, a man who just can't get out of his shell. Welcome, Drew. <laughs> well, some days, I don't know. I had a joke. It's gone. It's like I'm a ghost. I don't know what's going on. And let me introduce our co-host for this week. A man who just had to go run to Section 9. Welcome, Brian Rafe. Hey, everybody. Um, glad to be here. Wow. I Kind of high praise, man. I'll, I'll take Section 9. That's a... Uh, yeah, no, I, I'd be Section 9. I'll stick with it. <laughs> they cover your maintenance fees. That is true. There is at least that. Very true. All right, Brian. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. It's a uh, it's a blast. I've been I've been listening for for about a month and a half now. I'm kind of really stoked. So I was glad you guys invited me on, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about y'all's pick for today. I'm glad oh, yes. you thought of me. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure thing. Um, my name's Brian Rafe. Uh, for for those of you on here who haven't met me yet, or for those of you listening who haven't met me yet, I'm a uh, I'm a writer slash artist slash maker who pretends to be an IT guy for forty hours a week right now. But we're working on getting through that. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess shameless self plug. Uh, uh, William Codex novel, um, second one, um, second book to be announced but we're far enough along in the process that it is finally coming um yay awesome and having read most of the first one like the first original edit wow yes (laughs) like it's it's really good it's a really good book so go check it out it's really good you can find it on amazon find it on amazon social media if you look for brian rafe just about anywhere it's me it's a it's a fairly (laughs) rare name so so if i remember correctly you have a youtube channel that you will occasionally work on it's actually um that one's been kind of a, a mothball project i hate to say um yeah but i'm working on a replacement so um Okay. Nothing on that yet, but um, okay. keep an eye out on the social media channels, uh, Facebook slash Brian Rafe, uh, Twitter at Brian Rafe, um, BrianRafe.com, but the website looks horrible right now. Um, but something something YouTube related is coming, so um, keep an eye out for it. It'll be pretty oh, fun. I, I did do some, uh, some, uh, some tabletop RPG-based YouTube stuff, but... Um, it, it was a little bit too confining of a space. We're going to do something a little bit more uh, footloose and fancy-free. Get to play with all the various artistic sides of 
of the, uh, I guess you could say, the crazy brain that writes stories about FBI agents who hunt and fight in the name of monsters. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, so speaking of D&D, because I know you have a very long history with D&D and being a dungeon master and all that. Uh, and in fact, that we're cousins. We, we've known each other all of our lives. And um, so... Be like, do you do? If I remember correctly, you do. You're you're kind of metal in the uh, the same thing we do as a podcast. Am I right? Yeah, um, I'm actually currently on hiatus. Um, I had some medical work. Um, you guys are actually my uh, the first ones hearing my voice post op, I suppose. Um, but I actually uh, play the role of uh, Russell Clark. Oh wow, that's my first time trying to do that voice. Um, <laughs> The role of Russell Clark on the Dustrous Podcast. He's a uh, cowboy who was sent back to a fantasy world with a uh, ancient Native American and a, uh, a kid from some town named Detroit. Sounds like a bunch of pansy Yankees hang out there, but the kid's turning out okay, I suppose. But uh, and it's a it's a ton of fun. I love those guys over there. Um, they do a great show, and um, I really can't wait to get back. So. Awesome. Very cool. Got to work on that voice before I ever do, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jacob, what have you been watching? All right. So, what have I been watching? Uh, I watched the... Well, we had the very interesting point of watching a certain particular show on Crunchyroll. Yes. Well, it was on Funimation. Funimation. Whichever. <laughs> well, there is a difference. There is a, there is a very vast difference. I agree with you. Uh, that show would be called... Help me out, brother. <laughs> you don't remember the name of the no, show. No, it'd just be like, I remember it, but for some reason I go blank. Well, admittedly, it's a long name. It is. Uh, it's uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Thank you. Yes. I've, I've only <laughs> I, seen a I few have, episodes, but it's amazing. I oh. have finished the season a long time ago. Uh. And we were get, we got together for a Bible study, and afterwards... They said, well, what's a good comedy anime? And I said, well, I think the one of the either got Konosuba or uh, how that time I got reincarnated as a slime. And that got people's attention. Oh, oh, yes. oh my gosh. I loved it. It was so much fun. <laughs> I've, uh, a I've a show. Such, such an o Such an OP little piece of slime. <laughs> and yet it works. It most, does work. Most of those isekais don't work for me because there's no drama, really. But this no. works. So, but other than that, be like, I really haven't watched anything. What uh, about you? Uh, not really much of anything either. I've uh, outside of more let's plays on YouTube, but that's not that interesting. Okay. And of course, uh, those of you who are by the time you listen to this, uh, we got a shout out on a YouTube channel called the raw quiz show, which I talked about last Woo week. And uh, yeah, so they hopefully are sending some people this direction so they can listen to us uh, yammer on about comic uh, cartoons and such. So if y'all are here well, hearing this for the first time, welcome. All right, awesome. So, Brian, so this is kind of a tradition we've started doing here on the, the podcast. I forgot about this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't prep you for this, but this is how this goes. That's nine-tenths of the point. All right. So I'm going to throw you a little quick fire questions kind of get okay. your get your your uh your thoughts on things all right so what was your favorite cartoon growing up as a child favorite cartoon 
Voltron. Um, I know where you were thinking, Jacob. Thundercats is a very close second place, but uh, Voltron hands. I was thinking Voltron. Okay, rock on. (laughs) (laughs) So for a bit of fun, and I apologize for the audio listeners, I've got something interesting you might uh, enjoy here, Brian, that's uh, Voltron related. (sighs) (laughs) It's so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That might have been one of the funnest Lego things I've ever put together. Yeah, that was so cool. It was really cool. Like I've come over like periodically, he'd be building it, mm-hmm. and it didn't even dawn on me. Like, wait, Brian's a huge Voltron fan. Oh yes, I'm. <laughs> I'm the, actually the, um one of my various artistic side projects right now. I'm working on getting into uh, 3D sculpting and mm-hmm. printing. Um, yeah, kind of back there in that corner, you can see some workshop stuff. But um, one of my major 3D sculpts I'm going to be using to kind of like really stretch my legs. I've decided is I'm going to try to do a Voltron. Nice. Rock on, what's, dude. What's really cool, though, about this that particular Lego set, it actually combines like the uh, like it does in the show. Oh, that's it is so transforming. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I wish you the best of luck in finding one now that I've thrown a craving on you. Because <laughs> I barely found that one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking. Of course he is. Oh my! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I no, I'm not. I am not looking. Eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I squeeze it. I didn't pay that much. I got extremely lucky at Barnes and Noble. Nice. They had one on clearance. Oh. And it oh. was in the back room, so they forgot about it. And I, I just happened to be on their website. It's like y'all still have this? Surely not. So I just buy it just to see if they're gonna tell, send me a letter. Says. Oh, we're sorry. We don't have this one anymore. Yeah. And I'll go, oh, well. And oh. Says, nope, it'll be available for pickup at such and such time. Since the COVID crisis is coming on, you might want to wait in your car and we'll bring it out to you. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay. <laughs> you're, like, you're like sitting in the car with the ski mask on and they bring it out to you and like, sir, are yeah, you okay? Like, yeah, yeah. Totally social distancing. Not getting this exactly. for a steal at all. <laughs> exactly. That's the entire reason I'm here. <laughs> All right, very cool. So, what was one of your favorite animated movies growing up? Favorite animated movies growing up? Um, I'm going to say two that really stick in my head from way back. Um, The original Land Before Times, probably the first cinema experience I remember, and uh, Rescuers Down Under. Yes. Oh, good choice. Very good choice. I mean... Uh, there's some old animes that I don't even think I can find. I've looked for. There's one called Goldwing, um, but I, I had I've never even been able to find it. So, oh wow, cool, cool. All right. So, another question would be, do you prefer? Give him a second. He'll remember what he's asking in a minute. <laughs> I had it. It just went blank. <laughs> Me and Jacob both speak, speak squirrel. It's fine. I got it. It's yes. fine. He's it's totally fine. used to it. That's that's how I learned about the little marker system in Audacity, actually. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. So, traditional animation or anime? That's so a Western tough one. Western or Japanese? Yeah. Um, it really depends. Like, I've seen... I mean, I think of discussion, blind, Avatar. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Anime. 
Now, I was saying, for purposes of uh, discussion, Avatar would technically be considered anime for this okay. discussion. True. And that also invo- includes CG and yeah, mm-hmm. modern the stuff. Whole like, I mean, really, I, it's it's like that's that's almost like asking, do you like photography or do you like oil painting? Um, there are good exam- There are really good examples of both. Um, right. I think. But there are people who have a preference. Yeah, that's true. There, adult Brian. Um, if I have to make a pick, I'm going to go with anime because there are more stories designed for an older audience. You, know, um, you don't often see traditional animation tackling something like Tonight's Show. Um, but you, it's... Mm. Well, well, tonight's... I, I don't know if y'all guys tell what what you're going into before you actually say it or not, but... The, well, it'll the, be on the name of the episode, so... Right. Yeah, the, the show, we're, the, the, the anime we're talking about tonight, you know, an incredibly mind-boggling philosophical topic that almost mm-hmm. is limitless in depth. But you, you know, you just don't see that. In, like, you get Avatar, which is a fine example of animation and a great story, but you don't see... Mm-hmm. Well, you just said that qualified as anime, not traditional animation. Sorry. Um, I'm only, and I'm only saying that because it's obvious that's the style it's yeah, using. Yeah. I'm using the style definition, not the location of make definition. Yeah. All right. But yeah, but yeah I've, I've got to go anime just because better stories, on average, due to historical trend. All right. Makes sense. So, following that, what is your favorite anime? Mm. TikTok. I mean, my, if you... If you ask me right out um i mean <laughs> no we're pressure. talking we're talking about ghosts in the shell um that's kind of that's kind of a hard bar we're to talking beat. about okay yeah um i'm probably mostly for nostalgia i'll be honest going back and re-watching it not one of the finest examples of anime or even of all these incredibly in-depth philosophical stories i was talking about but mm-hmm. um i've got to go with record of lotus war Ah, that's a good choice, that is a good actually. Yeah. I enjoyed that when I watched it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I still do, but like, I go back and rewatch it, and I'm like, oh, they're using the same animation. Or, wow, yeah. this, this story really is just, just a little flat. Still well done, yeah. and, you know, Deedlet is best one? girl, but that's oh, beside yes. the point. Deedlet yeah. <laughs> is always best girl. Amen <laughs> to that. All right, so we touched on this. All right. Traditional and traditional hand drawn animation are computer generated. Ooh, um, that's a tough Wait, one. Let, um, let me make a verification question on this. Okay. By by computer generated, you're referring to 3D, not 2D, because technically most modern 2D is technically computer generated due to vector graphics and such. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so essentially 3D I'm, or 2D. Yeah, 3D or 2D. That's that's 2D hands down. Um, All right. I think there's a lot of growth in the uh, in the field of 3D animation. I think we still bump into the uncanny valley a little hard in a lot mm-hmm. of cases. Um, but uh, that's that's really just personal preference. You can find great stories in either. Um, but they're just I, once again because of history, and there's there's this much history with 2D animation and this much history with 3D animation. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot more good stories out there in 2D right now. All righty. All right, good deal. All right, I got two more for you. 
Okay. Just, how many of these you get? Yeah, just two more. All right. This is, by the way, if y'all haven't figured it out, there's no news tonight. No, there is no news. All right. Here's a hard one. Disney or Pixar? Disney. Uh, okay. All right. Excellent. Is that due to most the the history or mostly, um, or do you just really do prefer their storytelling to Pixar's? Um, or their mostly the history. Like, and I mean, you know, this is. This is, you know, as a, as a thirty-something who grew up in the United States, I guess, you know, there's a there's a lot more nostalgia and emotional attachment tied to Disney properties. While Pixar definitely tells a lot of really good stories, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think Toy Story would ever have the same impact for me as like The Lion King because, mm-hmm. for one, I was in the 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 prime target demographic, and for the other one, I was the older crowd who was getting all the undercover jokes. You know, <laughs> I think I just realized I'm probably the youngest person in this conversation. You are. <laughs> I'm I'm older than Jacob, so so Slightly technically, balanced. yeah. So technically, yeah, we've known each other for all of Jacob's life. Who knows what I got up to this really, so <laughs> first sixty days or so? Right, could have been nuts. Yeah, because I mean, I was knowing prim- you. Yes, I was in the prime demographic for both of those movies. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, so what is your guilty pleasure anime that you go to? Just like you want to chill and relax or just, you know, what have you? Um, I and it ha- can't be Wrecker Lotus War. No, no, actually it wouldn't be. Uh, that, that, one, that one gets a bit crunchy um, as far as like yes, relaxing goes. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the animation can get crunchy in that one too. There was one. Um, I'm going to put it. There are two answers to this one. There, there was the previous one, and there was the anime that recently dethroned it. Um, Ooh. Now there was one. It was a. It's a um, horribly a little bit too etchy to recommend for just anybody. But the story yeah. was mm-hmm. fairly solid, and the characters were really, really unique, and you really cared about them. And it was one called High School of the Dead. Oh, okay. Um, I did watch some of that. And I, I enjoyed it. It gets a little bit too... Uh, it rides that line between PG-13 and rated R a little bit hard yeah. for any audience. Mm. But you really did care about the characters. And it was one of those things that I could turn on in the background and just let run. And it was a bunch of kids running around killing zombies. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, definitively and recently dethroned it as far as like go-to guilty pleasure anime... Um, and it's, I mean, it's animated by technicality on this show, but I'll take it. Um, and recently with everything going on in the world and all that, I was trying to keep abreast of things. I just couldn't anymore till about three weeks ago. And, um, I just turned on Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix and just began binging hard. (laughs) That's one of those shows I really do need to go through. Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple episodes here and there, and I know the story is surprisingly extensive for a Nickelodeon cartoon. Yeah, but I just i I haven't had the time. Yeah, it, it really no. it's it's got a lot more depth. I love I love you know all the little hints and things you can spot in it, like the mm-hmm. the martial arts for the different bending nations and all that, or all the different yeah. bending styles are based around real world martial arts. Um, and just the, all the little peaks at culture and it's the way they built a world. And that maybe that's something I geek out really hard about as a writer. 
they built this incredibly beautiful, vibrant, almost on the edge of bubblegum, cotton candy world. But if you let your guard down for a second, well, to quote the show, and then the Fire Nation attacks. And things yes. get really serious <laughs> and surprisingly adult. And I think they do a really good job of approaching a lot of sensitive issues in a way that a younger audience can safely digest. And it doesn't outright tell them, you know, this idea bad, this idea good. Mm-hmm. You know, a yeah. lot of it is left up for the for the viewer to the side, even with their age. They they do a really good job when they step into that with uh, Korra, uh, the, mm-hmm. the sequel series, which I'm trying not to watch right now because I want to go through and read all the in-between comics. Hmm. And um, they're actually releasing some kind of omnibus for them. Uh, actually, today. I think I need to hop on and get that ordered. Because I want to read all the post-Airbender before Korra comics before I dive in and start binging my way through Korra. Oh, but, wow. You are deep diving in this. Yeah. I kind of... Like... You know me, Jacob. When it's like, once yeah. I get something to geek out about, I, I geek out pretty hard. You do. All right. So, final question. This is the hardest one. This is going to be like the most challenging question yeah, ever. Yeah, the numbers don't add up. No, they okay. don't. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like listening to Phil and Hercules say, I've got two words for it, for you. Uh, stop, drop, and roll, or whatever he says. <laughs> Either way. All right. So what have you been watching besides Ghost in the Shell recently? Okay. Um, well, like I just mentioned the Avatar thing. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond that, really, I've... Uh, I kind of I signed up for way more of a watching thing. Um, now, for a lot of people, probably a lot of the audience here, um, watching, you know, um, I, I signed up to do this hundred movies that I've never seen before inside of a year thing. I think all yeah, three of us are in that Facebook we're all, group. Yes, we're in that. In fact, I got to add one this week. Yeah, that that's a prodigious effort for me. Like, I'm <laughs> I'm not. You know, anytime I sit down to just watch, turn on and watch media, my the back of my brain starts going, you know, um, you could be writing right now. You know, uh, your your beta <laughs> readers waiting for chapters for book three and you, you need to do your final read through for book two, which thankfully is done now. But, um, you know, you, you could be working on this project or you could be working on this project. And that doesn't fit the spirit of that challenge. You know, they I have to sit down and watch the movie. Right. <laughs> and I don't sit down very easily. But um, yeah. I, 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 I... Admittedly, when I started that, I assumed, oh, I've got this challenge in the bag because I've got two podcasts that require me to watch a movie every week. And there's probably a good chance one of those every week is going to be a movie I've not seen. And mm-hmm. plus, look at all these new movies coming out this year. I'm not going to have any trouble with this. I'm probably going to finish around October. <laughs> And then, as you said, the Fire Nation attacks <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in the form of COVID-19. <laughs> and that's why I'm not even a 50 yet here on halfway through the year. Hey, you're ahead of me, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm at 59, with the most recent being Hotel Artemis, which I was really impressed with. I like that one. Yeah. Um, Hotel Artemis, Alien Covenant, which I wasn't too happy with, mm. and Priest, which was... Honestly, like, and there's a mutual friend who has a, a good chance of maybe hearing this one when I say it, and I apologize in advance, kiddo, but, um, Priest was recommended to me by a friend of mine, and, um, people like to recommend supernatural horror type movies to me, 
Yeah. Because that's the genre I write in. They know I dig that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really picky about those kind of films, though. And mm-hmm. Priest just <laughs> didn't really stack up. Like, I... I, it had some unique ideas, but in the end, it's like, okay, it's a sci-fi western vampire movie, and I'm a Firefly fan and all, but that's just like, you're blending one too many genres in there, maybe, because their vampires were kind of, eh, and the characters were a little weak. So, all in all, I, yeah, no, not, not a huge fan of that one, but... uh Hotel Artemis on the uh, on the 2D 3D animation debate. Uh, Detective Detective Pikachu, however, I did watch, and I that did, was thoroughly enjoyable. I enjoyed enjoyable. that. That was fun. I still need to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. It be like we'll probably I will review. Let you borrow it. All right, and we'll right. probably review it at some point, probably. And I did. Um, I did. Uh, I mean, I'd already seen Unbroken, but um, I watched Unbroken, Split, and Glass finally here a few weeks ago. Oh, Unbreakable. Oh. Yeah. Unbreakable. That's it. Not unbroken. Okay. Yeah, unbreakable. Then I got the I got the tag split and glass onto the list. So, mm. I still haven't seen glass. It, it's a good watch. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And some of the it, he just it, it's like a Shyamalan film. Every single time he records a movie, and it's because of that. I like that twist at the end thing. Um, it just yeah. opens the world wide up. So now he's done his trilogy. He's told his story. And I'm like, no, we're not finished with this world because you made me ask all these questions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good deal. So I think we are ready to move into the spoiler free section of our review for this movie. Yes. And since uh, you're our guest, Brian, and surely people have not gotten tired of listening to you talk yet. <laughs> Why Give don't you go time. first? Awesome. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. So we're, we're just going into like, you know. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. Gen- um, general thoughts. D- basically, whatever you want to talk about that's set, that gives you general cons- idea of the movie. Okay, so uh, spoiler free review. Um, I mean, Ghost in the Shell is probably one of those animes that you can just dive into and there'll there'll be talk about that in a little bit i'm sure um diving has a lot to tell about this movie um Mm -hmm. you can dive into this film and it just goes deeper and deeper and Mm -hmm. it's every time you watch it and especially like it originally came out in 1994 so i was 12 years old when the original aired truth be told i was probably 14 or 15 by the first time i got to see it because yeah. I don't think it was dubbed until 95 or 96. Yeah, and I it was know- my release said 95. Okay. But then another thing I saw said 96. So Okay. I'm so guessing I- one's the Japanese version, one's the English version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, certainly the information I have, it was dubbed in November 8th, 1995. Okay. okay. So even then, I, I was probably 14 or 15 years old when I first saw Ghost in the Shell. And even like it was, it was deep then, and it was it was almost too much to swallow, probably for a for a fifteen year old, um, you know. And it was talking about topics that, frankly, in my past, I'd never heard of before. Um, and it really kind of opened your mind to like answering, you know, boggling questions like, "What is life? Um, at what point is something not alive?" Um, and then you turn around and you watch it five years down the road and you've got 
at that point, I was a fine arts major, probably trying to decide whether or not I wanted to stick with an art and humanities degree. Um, and, you know, I, I understood. I tackled some of those questions already and I dove a little bit deeper. And you watch it another five years later and you've got a little bit deeper you can go. And sadly, I've got a couple more iterations of five years later beyond that even. And every time I turn around and watch this movie, it just gets deeper and more and more beautiful. I mean, the animation is timeless. Like, you know, once again, watch it for the first time, probably 96, 1996, 1997. And it was groundbreaking at the time, especially the brief little CGI scene. But mm -hmm. uh, even the, the, the hand-drawn scenes are, are still just phenomenal. But, and you turn around, I turned around and watched it this week, you know, 20 some odd years later and it's still an incredible example of animation that holds up over time um but even so those questions those they still get deeper and deeper and you you find yourself you know it's one of those films that doesn't i like i like stories and films that tell you a they ask you a question but they don't necessarily tell you an answer and I think that's what's always resonated with me with Ghost in the Shell, is it, it asks you these questions, but it never tells you if you're right, if you're wrong, if it's A or B, or true or false. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, this was my first viewing of this movie. <laughs> For whatever reason, I had missed any other opportunity. I think, actually, I had seen part of the... 2.0 version which is like a remaster of it yeah, yeah. But, for, but for whatever reason i didn't finish that viewing way back when but i watched this one and actually thoroughly enjoyed it um i've got a couple minor i got a, a, a nitpick for that when we get to that point but yeah i wa actually watched it on amazon uh normally i and for those of you who do not mind Japanese subtitles, and I would probably suggest this for most people. Uh, on YouTube right now, you can watch the Japanese subtitled version for free with commercials. If you're fine with subtitles, I'm going to make this just that. We had already agreed to do the English version, so that's why we stuck. I stuck there. But it's this is not my first deep thing because I mean, because uh, you know, I grew up watching Star Trek: The Next Generation as a kid, which you know, most of that went over my head too, and. A lot of this kind of resonated with the episode, uh, at least for me, with the episode um, "The Measure of a Man," which dealt yes. with whether or not Data was a actually a life form or not, and it was had the rights and, and everything that a they considered civilized, civilized beings to have. And ultimately, at the end, they don't really answer the question, not not conclusively, other than they don't really know what the answer is, but. He had. They ruled he had the right to choose his, where he was going. Anyway, that's besides the point. It reminded me of that episode a lot, you know, except with a lot more action and a lot more revealing clothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, and yeah, you know, in the 3D, I th thought was done very well in this movie. Uh, if you're looking for a good cerebral sci-fi anime, and you kind of like stuff like Blade Runner. I actually would highly suggest watching this movie. So what do you think, Jacob? Oh, where do I start with this film? All right, so my background with this movie actually links with our host, Brian, because when we were like 15, 14 years old, when this movie came out, he got finally able to watch it. He couldn't stop raving about it. 
<laughs> couldn't stop raving about it. He was like, Ghost in the Shell this, Ghost in the Shell this. I was like, what in the world is this Ghost in the Shell business you're talking about? And so eventually, I can't remember if we, went, we watched it at your house or something like that. I remember watching it at your place, I think. Probably at my place. I, I imagine, because, um, um, well, frankly, I don't think we could have got away with watching Ghost in the Shell at your place. No, absolutely not. So, <laughs> my parents? No. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it's, it's a very mind-blowing movie. And be like, there's parts of it still I'm kind of, I'm still wrestling with trying to understand it. Because, like you said, it's such a deep dive of mm-hmm. a film. Uh, literally. Yeah, quite literally a deep dive. Um, and... Being a 15-year-old boy, you're watching this film, it's like, ooh, okay. The The visuals are very pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, keeping this family friendly. Right, right. But uh, the graphics were beautiful. The graphics are beautiful. So elegantly gorgeous. Yes. <laughs> we'll Either say that. On a brief aside, it is. I mean, their their work they do with anatomy and like the that mm-hmm. that intro. Well, that might be spoilery territory to talk about the intro, but how well, much? I mean, it, it was in the Scarlett Johansson movie, so maybe not too spoilery. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. The the intro where they go into how how um, yeah that's gonna be spoilery. I'm gonna hold off. I'm sorry, okay. Jacob. Okay. Go okay. Ahead. That's fine. No, fine. you're good, man. You're good. Yeah. I've 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 watched this movie. Handful of times, I enjoy it. Um, there's a lot of it more where it's like, okay, maybe I'm not picking up this point or this point, but it's still an incredibly well done movie mm-hmm. where it talks about life and what life means and the existence of life and what it, what it means to be a living organism or a living right. being. And uh, it's a fascinating it's a, it's a fascinating movie, and uh, I would highly recommend it for. More of an adult audience. Yes. Because this, I, is, this is definitely not a movie for kids. No, yeah, it's not. No, so it, definitely grown-ups only, um, despite the fact that we got our hands on it a bit younger. Yeah, um, right. But even but you, and that's kind of what I looking, about it, is, If you're looking for something for kids, this is not it. No. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. As I, I always loved about it is even though you definitely, you know, slap a slap an age warning on it or whatnot, but even if you're if you're there for a sci-fi action romp, Ghost in the Shell's got your back. I mean, it might get a little draggy at some points, but even if you're willing to tackle some of these deeper questions, it goes on. Or even if you're just deep enough to know that Bato is pretty much Descartes facing the modern era of philosophy, tackling questions that he wasn't prepared to answer, you know, you can really, you know, it kind of, no matter where you sit on that, on how willing you are to tackle some of the deeper issues. It's still a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I will say, as I was, we were talking, I realized this was not my first, uh, my first, uh, exposure to this fr- particular franchise because I did see standalone complex. Ah, or yes. parts of it back in the day. Yeah. And I Very did good. see the live action Scarlett Johansson movie a couple years ago when it came out. And, I'm in the camp that I thought it was actually okay. I am too, even as a, a loyalist to the original. Yeah, um, I think I mean, it's, it's its own story. It's, it, it, it's, it's not like it's supplanting this. Mm-hmm. It's watered down a bit, I think. But yeah. I mean, it, it's like like the modern remake trend. It, it spoons feed spoon feeds you the ideas, mm-hmm. and um, 
you know, whether or not ScarJo was the best fit for the major or not, it's a whole different debate that I'm not currently decided on, so I'm not starting. We won't get, in, <laughs> we won't get into that since no, we're not actually talking about that movie, but... Yeah, but um, it, it, it takes a lot of the same ideas, though, and it, it spoon-feeds you. And yeah. As someone who had already seen the movie and had kind of had that philosophy of Ghost in the Shell in the back of his brain for a little bit over 20 years, by the time the 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 live action remake came out i was kind of wasn't terribly happy with that but i can still see it from a from a first timer introduction point mm-hmm. of view being like oh okay well, this is i mean it's not even really a remake it seems like it's a an adaptation of a different story within yeah. this universe hmm. that's just my thoughts on it mm-hmm. all right so i had a question pop up because i had posted on all of our social media platforms mm-hmm. of uh what are your thoughts on ghost in the shell 19, 1995 not the not the live action movie and one of our listeners josh adams posted uh which one do you which one do you think is better the original 1995 or ghost in the shell standalone complex now i could not honestly give an answer because i've watched the movie obviously but the TV series, I only watched a handful of the episodes, so I really couldn't really give a full definite, be like I could say, yes, the movie's spectacular, but the TV show, I really can't, you know, the last, give a full opinion on. The last time I watched the show, I was in high school, so I can't really comment on much of it either, because my memory does not reach back very well that far to my thoughts. Plus, in most cases, because I was in high school at the time, it was airing on Friday nights, I think, on Adult Swim. I would There were a lot of times where I did not get back from playing in the band from the football games that I actually got to see the episode. So I've never seen it all the way through. So I will have to pass on making a judgment on that one. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to admit some bias when I say it, but I've got to go with the original film. Um, but that being said, I, I standalone complex. What I saw was a really fine example, but I never went back and watched, you know, episode one and moving forward through everything that was currently released. You know, I didn't watch it that style. I, I caught scattered episodes here and there. Um, as I was, I don't, it's not part of our thing, but when did standalone complex come out? Uh, I'm not sure. But um, odds are I was working. Yeah, 2002. Okay, so I was in college at yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't. That would have. That would have been my junior year of high school when I saw it. Then that was my senior year in high school. Yeah, um, that that would have been maybe. freshman year of college, which probably explains why I was not sitting down in front of a TV all that often. I was already beginning my lifestyle of living in an art studio pretty much at that point. Yeah. Ain't it great? <laughs> I, there are parts of it I miss. That's the reason yeah, why I've here. converted my my bed, my second bedroom in this apartment into more or less a studio with a big computer in it. But all right, well, I think we've reached the end of the spoiler-free review. Uh, so if you'll join us on the other side of the spoiler warning, we'll talk about this film more in depth. following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Ghost in the Shell, 1995. Listener discretion 
is advised. Ghost in the Shell was directed by Mamoru Oshii. I probably said, and fair warning, I'm probably going to mispronounce every single Japanese name in here. So forgive me for that. Uh, but he, uh, one of the things I saw that he directed was uh, The Skycrawlers, which I've not seen, but I do remember it being advertised a long time ago. Uh, it was written by Kazunori Ito, who also wrote the anime Dot Hack Sign, which I did not realize. It was, of course, based on the manga by Shiro Masamune. The music was done by Kenji Kawai, who also wrote the music, composed the music for the anime Mob Psycho 100. Uh, cast includes uh, Mimi Woods, who plays Major Matoko Kusanagi. In the anime El Hazard, The Alternative World, she played Shayla Shayla. Tom Weiner played the Puppet Master. And in Street Fighter II, the animated movie, he was the voice of M. Bison. Bato uh, was voiced by Richard Epcar. He is one of the uh, voices of Inspector Zenigata in Lupin the Third, and is this week's Kingdom Hearts reference. Go figure. In which he played Ansem, in which he played Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, starting with Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Ah. Which that's chronologically, I think technically he would have been hired first for Kingdom Hearts two, but that's neither here nor there. No Kingdom Hearts timeline. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he also voiced him in Kingdom Hearts three hundred and fifty-eight over two days, <laughs> which I didn't even say that name right. But anyway, <laughs> I, it, <laughs> I can't. Tell but pretty much, he's a, can't tell if that was a joke title or a real video game. No, that's that's not the worst Kingdom Hearts title. <laughs> The worst one is Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep 0.2 A Fragmentary Passage. <laughs> People and say that's they just... can't decide what Knight of the Silver Sword means. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, Togusa was voiced by Christopher Joyce. And uh, the only thing interesting I found on him was he played a young prisoner in Trigun. Hey, Trigun is awesome. It is, it is cool. good. Uh, Chief Aramaki was uh, voiced by William Frederick Knight, and he played the character of Gordon Rosewater in The Big O, which I watched that show. I just don't remember that character, but that was also a long time ago. Batman the anime before Batman the anime. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> right around the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chief Nakamura was voiced by Simon Prescott, and in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, he played Master Vile. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, I, when, I saw, when I saw that on the list, it's like, oh, I have to put this on here. It's the first time we've run across a Power Rangers actor bum, who bum, actually voiced a major bum. character. I think he was in season three of, the, of that series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big uh, Misuho Daita was voiced by Richard Casino. And in uh, Initial D, he played Hiramichi. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Garbage Collector A. Which is really <laughs> a important role, guys. Yeah, actually, it is. It is. Was voiced by Kevin Seymour. He is also of the he is the voice in the original... He's the voice of Inspector Zenigata in the original... Uh, English dub of Lupin the Third Castle of Cagliostro. 
That's the one in which Lupin was actually named Wolf because they legally weren't sure if they could use the name Lupin or not because of all the stuff dealing with the uh, LeBlanc estate dealing with the character because technically they used the character's name without permission in the in the original manga. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> the idea was he was the... Uh, Lupin was the great-grandson of the of Arsene Lupin, ma- the master thief who... Mm-hmm. Ironically, once fought Sherlock Holmes, with also without getting permission to use Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so when they decided to use that, uh, and, and it started getting where they were, you know, exporting that show to different countries. Uh, the estate decided to uh, sue them because they technically was an illegal use of the character name. Wow. Yeah. Drop some knowledge on you. Which I think we also went into on that Castle of Cagliostro episode. We did. But that is the uh, manga dub, so that makes sense. It's coming from the same studio. And uh, Garbage Collector B was voiced by Doug Stone, who is probably most famous for voicing Psycho Mantis in Metal Gear Solid. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the guy who reads your memory card. And mm-hmm. vibrates your controller during the boss fights. And the it, only way you can beat him is to unplug the controller from port one and plug it into port two. <laughs> okay, coming from the vid- the guy who doesn't play video games that often, it is an oh, odd wow. thing. That is very it's kind odd. Of an awesome it's, thing, but yeah, it's such a Metal I, Gear Solid thing. <laughs> forget just Metal Gear Solid. That is a uh, Hideo Kush- uh, Kojima thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I can say, because kind of relating to something you said earlier about Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts, related to Final Fantasy. I remember a certain group of kids playing Final Fantasy 3 or 7, whichever it was. Six, I think it was 3. Technically, if you said 3. I think it was 3. Playing it for. 3 slash 6. What was, yeah. 3 slash 6. For, I don't know, approximately 13 hours, 13, 12 hours, and the TV burning up. That was. That was. That was Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, depending on how you're counting them. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, that was, uh, we, we literally destroyed a television <laughs> playing that game for like an hour straight or something. That takes skill. Yes, it was fun to watch. It's like, guys, the TV's on fire. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jacob, hit us with that box office information. All right, box office. Box office. <laughs> box office. Box I'm sausage. keeping that in, by the okay, way. Okay, box sausage. Yes, box sausage. All right. <laughs> All right, so to box sausage. All right, so on IMDb, it has a rating of 8 out of 10, which is really good for a movie. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of 96% and an audience score of 89%. All right, so production was Production IG, Bandai Vision... Visual, sorry, Bandai mm-hmm. Visual, and Manga Entertainment. Manga. Manga, thank you. Manga, manga. But I'm mostly just yanking your chain because people have, th- that fight's been going on for years. That is true. Oh, yeah. I've always wondered if they also pronounce it Mongo. <laughs> the war must go on. All right, so distribution was by, how would you pronounce it? <laughs> Shochiku. I think that's Shochiku. Shochiku. Okay. So, 
Shochiku, I believe how you pronounce it. Thank you, Drew, because I'm terrible at re sometimes reading. And in Japan, in a manga, in manga or manga entertainment, at least for the UK. In the US, I think Stars technically owns the rights. Right. Of all people. Mm hmm. That's because Stars bought manga. Anyway. That's true. All right. So, to release dates, it was released November 18th, 1995 in Japan, and November 8th, 1995 in the UK and United States. Because this was one of the actual first time movies that was actually uh, simulcast, almost, almost a simulcast mm -hmm. of its original Japanese dub, its original, uh, its original language, and its dub coming out merely months later. This was one of the first attempts of this. Oh, okay. So yeah. Well, I did notice that Manga Entertainment is considered one of the major producers for it, so it had to have been made in tandem. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this was one of the real first attempts to actually get uh, anime into the uh, the the Western market. Well, if you're going to try to aim for that Academy Award, you have to they have to be able to see it in the same year. So anyway, all right. So, going into box office, and looking at the numbers, it's really sad due to how enormous this movie is now. Mm -hmm. All right. So, it had a budget. Check this out. This is, I've, I've never seen a budget this huge. Estimated in yen is over $600 million. That's well, yen. 600 million yen. Yeah. 600 million yen. That's insane. What is that in dollars? I think so. I don't in. know the conversion. It's just a, it's just a hair over five and a half million dollars. Five and a half million. Okay. Okay. That's still not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. Sure. About what most, most yen to dollar is chop off a couple of zeros. Okay. Right. Didn't know that. All right. So its opening weekend U.S. release was wow two thousand seven hundred and six two hundred thirty six thousand dollars on february 4th 1996 its u.s gross was five thousand one five thousand fifteen nine hundred and nine uh, this is shy over five hundred thousand dollars u.s domestic its war its world gross was the exact same so Ouch. yeah this movie did terrible in theaters be like they, they were banking on this movie becoming you know titanic of its age right and it failed miserably it kind of does though make you wonder how it got a sequel movie not to mention the tv shows that came after it's called vhs and dvd releases had to have been yeah, yeah i'm gonna say and i think the uh the the sequel if memory serves didn't come out till uh, quite a while after like it's, it did yeah yeah, that's that's kind of like the uh, it, it was a cult classic by the time they made it the was. sequel. So, yeah, because it, it took it took a couple of years when it came when it came to VHS and DVD, be like it skyrocketed. It, it's one of those films that I can't think of the top of my head. One of those that be like it did poor, poorly in the box office. Be like it had kind of a you know mixed reviews, mm -hmm. but it just did terrible in the box office. But when it, it came happens. to yeah, but. Like Brian said, it became a cult classic when it, when it came to uh, VHS and DVD. And uh, it stayed there. It's, it's been re-released in uh, theaters a few times. Mm 
here and there, and it's you know it's it's held its status as one of the most popular anime of all time. It was 2004 when the second one came out, so yeah, ten years okay. between. Yeah, that's Makes a really sense. trippy film too. By the way, I, I know that's not tonight's thing, but after yeah. you watch this one, if you like if you like this movie, give yourself some time to digest, and then go watch the sequel and have all the answers you've de- declared to all the questions it asked completely blown out of the water. <laughs> okay, then. I'd say this is one of those movies I don't bother to try and find out what the answers are because I will be unhappy with them. <laughs> anyway, uh, getting into the summary for this movie. In 2029, with the achievement of cybernetic technology, the human body can be augmented or even completely replaced with cybernetic parts. Another significant achievement is the Cyberbrain, a mechanical casing for the human brain that allows access to the internet and other networks. An often mentioned term is ghost, referring to the consciousness inhabiting the body, the shell. Major Matoko Kusanagi is an assault team leader for the Public Security Section 9 of Newport City in Japan. Following a request from Nakamura, Chief of Section 6, she successfully assassinates a diplomat of a foreign country to prevent a programmer named Daita from defecting. The foreign minister's interpreter is ghost-hacked, presumably to assassinate VIPs in an upcoming meeting, believing the perpetrator is the mysterious puppet master. Kusanagi's team follows the trace telephone calls that sent the virus. After a chase, they capture Garbage Man and a thug. However, both are ghost-hacked individuals with no clue about the Puppet Master. The investigation again comes to a dead end. Megatech Body, a shell manufacturer with suspected close ties to the government, is hacked and assembles a cybernetic body. The body escapes but is hit by a truck. As Section 9 examines the body, they find a human ghost inside its computer brain. Unexpectedly, Section 6's department chief, Nakamura, arrives to reclaim the body. He claims that the ghost inside the brain is the puppet master himself, lured into the body by Section 6. The body reactivates itself, claims to be a sentient being, and requests political asylum. After the puppet master initiates a brief argument about what constitutes a human, a camouflaged agent accompanying Nakamura starts a diversion and gets away with the body. Having suspected foul play, Kusanagi's team is prepared and immediately pursues the agent. Meanwhile, Section 9 researches Project 2501, mentioned earlier by the Puppet Master, and finds a connection with Daita, whom Section 6 tries to keep from defecting the country. Facing the discovered information, Daisuke Aramaki, Chief of Section 9, concludes that Section 6 created the Puppet Master itself for political reasons and now seeks to reclaim the body that that it currently inhabits. Kusanagi follows the car, carrying the body to an abandoned building where, she, where she discovers it being protected by a large tachikoma, or tank, anxious to face the puppet master's ghost. Kusanagi engages the tank without backup, resulting in her body being mostly dismembered. Her partner Bato arrives in time to save her and helps connect her brain to the puppet master's. The puppet master explains to Kusanagi that he has created by Section 6 while wandering various networks he became sentient and began to contemplate his existence. Deciding the essence of life is reproduction and mortality, he wants to exist within a physical brain that will eventually die. As he could not escape Section 6's network, he, has, he had to download himself into a cybernetic body. Having interacted with Kusanagi without her knowledge, he believes she is also questioning her humanity and they have a lot in common. 
He possesses merging their ghosts. In return, Kusanagi would gain all of his capabilities. Kusanagi agrees to the merge. Snipers from Section 6 approach the building, intending to destroy the Puppet Master and Kusanagi's brains to cover up Project 2501. The Puppet Master's shell is destroyed, but Bato shields Kusanagi's head in time to save her brain. As Section 9 closes in on the site, the snipers retreat. Kusanagi wakes up in Bato's safe house with her previous shell's head attached to a new cyborg child body. She tells Bato that the entity within her body is neither Kusanagi nor the Puppet Master, but a combination of both. She promises Bato that they will meet again, leaves the house, and wonders where to go next. So, Brian, what are your thoughts on this movie? I, or should I say, what is your first like? Yeah, my first Your like. only like. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of already touched on my first like, I suppose, and that's that you you can't dive too deep into this movie, um, and we can we can finally talk about it. You know, there's this the scene where the major is diving headfirst into the film is diving as a I, I think it's not in the movie. I think it's in something else. I remember the number. It's like a nine hundred and something pound cyborg mm-hmm. diving into the water. You know, in completely incapable of swimming, she'll she'll just sink like a rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, and that's it's a really good parallel for the diving scenes. A really good parallel for the the internal struggle the major goes through throughout the film of this: who am I? Where do I come from? Am I am I alive? Am I a ghost? Um, whole argument she has with herself. Um, and it's a really good view for the reader because you. Like I said, you can't go too deep into this movie. It just keeps going and going and going. Um, so that's my first like is the philosophy behind Ghost in the Shell. Beyond being a standout for its animation. I know there's... I Yeah. It, I, I, that, that gets into my dislike a little bit. but So I'll stop there. <laughs> Alright. All right. Jacob, what's your like? Alright, so... Brian kind of hit on... My first like, uh, the animation in this film is spectacular, spectacularly mm-hmm. well done. Something that was done in 1994-1995, uh, which at that point you were getting amazing, amazing uh, movies and amazing television shows. But the scene I particularly point on, you you be like you touched on it just a second ago, Brian, was the major diving. Be like that entire scene. Um, is so well executed the how they how they portray how they portray um, gravity and how they portray mm-hmm. like ox like oxygen and water the the fact to be like like you said this like what a 600 800 pound android or cyborg am i right cyborg something like that yeah. cyborg, cyborg thank you cyborg yeah. thought so but um but just how they how they how they use weight how they use just everything, like how mass works and mm-hmm. how the human body works, and ever the the detail they go into this is just phenomenal. And the the scene that pops up in particular at the very end of the dive scene where she surfaces, and it's just that that expression. It's the, it's like uh, like the director said, be like she wanted uh, the the major wanted to be more like a doll, mm-hmm. and like how cyborgs are like dolls, and. Um, that that entire going into that's even uh, fantastic, but the the animation in this film is just phenomenal. There'll be like there, there's points where it'd be like, can I just you know get a 
high resolution shot, put it in a frame, and put it somewhere in the house. Because mm-hmm. some of the backgrounds are incredible. Because some of these backgrounds are even are almost up to par to be like not up to par, but hold up against more modern te- more modern uh, animated movies nowadays. Mm-hmm. And just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. So that's my that's my number one like. What about you, Drew? My like on this movie is the story. This is this story hits the ground running and really does not stop. No. There are times where it does take a break and let you breathe and kind of let you live in this world for a couple minutes. But from beginning to end, you've got this mystery going on. And admittedly, while the mystery may not be I don't may not be that much of a standout since we know from the beginning the person causing all this trouble is the puppet master. Uh, who the puppet master is and what his goals are are hidden throughout most of the movie until you get to that ending point. But still, the watching them investigate, trying all, going from all these different angles, trying to find this guy, and ultimately failing up until, honestly, the puppet master lets them find him. You yeah. get right down to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally, uh, he's like, I can't get where I want to go unless I let you guys find me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pretty much. But along with the story, I have to go throw in the world building. Yes. Because, oh my goodness, there's all you can tell a lot of world building went into this. I know a lot of it will have come from the manga, uh, but the fact that they so much... At no point do they show you something and it feels like they just made that up. It's like, no, there's reason behind everything. There's interconnected threads throughout the entire film and even when they do something i think is rather odd because i i don't want to get into that because that technically would be my dislike but uh even when it does something odd like that it's it it works and especially and and along with that all the symbolism throughout the movie Mm -hmm. i especially like during that during the that scene in the what is that a warehouse where they're fighting the tank like a, a fishery i think uh, which surprisingly has a sculpture of apparently the world, uh, the uh, the family tree of every animal life on Earth it's that a it museum, ever existed. Actually, oh, it's a museum. I wasn't sure what that was. I thought yeah. it was like uh, that makes more sense than uh, just a fish hasher because that's kind of <laughs> what I thought it was. I thought it was an auditorium. Anyway, but uh, even with that and the fact that you see, okay, yeah. We are talking about what was what is the next stage of human evolution? Is it adding in this technology or is it not? Because in some ways they have embraced the the technology in their evolution. If and I and I'm not a big evolutionist. I'm Christian, so and I I just I don't. That's just not how I look at things. But I under <coughs> excuse me. I can accept it for this movie, and it works. And I think they. They answer, ask a lot of tough questions in that, and mm-hmm. I appreciate not shying away from it. Well, and but all of that added together is what makes my like. Yeah, and there's all those important questions that pop up with this. Even even from a Christian perspective, which I share, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, take you can take the question of evolution completely out of Ghost in the Shell. And oh, you have yeah. This, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What, it's like, what is a soul? What, what is, is the soul? What is life? Yeah. Can, yeah. Does a soul Absolutely. require a human body? Exactly. Is mm-hmm. there to ever be a human body? Because for 
And at what point? At what? At at what point is the person dead? And what you've got is just yeah, uh, automatic movements that a brain is making. Yeah, because this is background that doesn't go into in the anime, but the major who is literally a cyborg, as in not an android. Um, Yeah. Although for the most part, she's just a human brain and an android. Isn't she just like a, a a brain in an android body, essentially? Part of her brain, technically. Uh, she was okay. born with uh, some kind of degenerative disease and literally probably would not have survived outside in a real human body. And okay. was part of a uh, an experiment and pretty much lived in a cyborg, 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 cybernetic body um, for, the, for the entirety of her life. And mm-hmm. then you have characters like the Puppet Master, who, you know, is the Puppet Master alive is a thing because, spo- you know, we're, well, we're in the spoiler-free section. The, the Puppet Master was never a human. Yeah. He, he's a computer hmm. program that gains sentience. And then you, you're tackled with that question of, is he really sentient? You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. you know, and if he is sentient as, as a computer program that gained that sentience, does that, does that sentience carry the same soul that we do as human beings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and if so, where does the soul come from? I mean, yeah. you know, talking with this group, we all have an agreement on where that soul comes from. But from a, yes. from a philosophical viewpoint, you have to stop and tackle the question, is, especially as a mm-hmm. Christian. You know, if an AI were to, be, were to hit some magic marker... Could it all of a sudden have a lot be alive? Could it could yeah. it achieve a soul? And if so, what happens at, when that program's deleted? At you what know? point does an artificial intelligence become an actual intelligence? Right. Essentially. Or like like it says in that Star Trek episode, does he have a soul? Is that a soul or is that just a program that yeah. acts surprisingly yeah. a lot like a soul? Like there's an actor behind it. Well, there is an actor behind it in every single one of these instances, but not in the not in the context of the story. But anyway, so yeah, that's my like. Uh, since we are doing, there are three of us, and we don't want to be here all night. We are going to just do one like and one dislike each. So, Brian, what is your dislike of this movie? Um, it, it sounds hard. It sounds it's hard to say it, but I have trouble picking. I have trouble picking one. But that's because the, the couple I have are so minor. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to say one, and then I'm going to get to the one I actually want to pick. Go right um, ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, so, while the animation is beautiful, uh, there are a lot of scenes where the animators relied on some tricks where it's a still mm-hmm. frame with only selected moving parts. Mm-hmm. That being said, still pretty, but moving on. Um as much it's as it's not I full animation, the, the but yeah, deep dive of Ghost in the Shell and the philosophy and how deep you can go and how much this world gives you, um, it is hard for people to watch this movie if they're not used to watching this kind of movie because there are no training wheels, there is no parachute, they mm-hmm. drop you into this Agreed. world completely unprepared on purpose. And that can be a big turn. Well, I personally, I love it. So I have a hard time yeah. counting it as a dislike. It has over the years as I've introduced people to one of my favorite animes or one of the ones I think should be your indoctrination into anime. If you're one of those people who's like, I don't want to watch that. It's a cartoon. Watch Ghost in the Shell. But yeah. It's even then it's hard to get people to sit all the way through it because right off the bat, they're going, what? 
what's happening why why is that happening and it's, and it's like you know you you have to mm-hmm. watch it you know you have to read between the lines it's it is yeah it is so crunchy on purpose and i love it for that quality but it does make it hard for a lot of people to swallow i can understand that mm-hmm. uh and that's that's something you run into a lot with anime of this era, such as Akira mm-hmm. drops you straight into oh, it yeah. with absolutely no explanation either. Which, for a little behind the scenes action, we were originally planning on doing that this year, but we decided to wait till the Olympics next year. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it was fitting out so nicely. It was. <laughs> but anyway, like, um, darn you, COVID. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this ain't. Mean, I forgot what I was going to say. Anyway, Jacob, go to your dislike. If I, if I right. think of it, I'll bring it back up. Okay. Uh, I think uh, with both your conversations, we've kind of, you two have bounced with the, what my dislike was going to be. And that would be if you blink, if you blink at any moment during this movie, you are going to miss something, something minor or something crucial to this film when you're completely utterly lost i would argue that there are very few minor things about it actually right there's there's not there is not a scene in the film that you cannot pay attention to unless you've watched it a thousand times Um, yeah that you can you can miss that scene and still get the movie oh yeah you're going to be fairly lost if you don't catch every bit of it yeah I don't know. To some degree, I think this actually does symbolism well, because for those of you who don't remember, my definition of symbolism is the scene still has to work even if you don't get what the symbolism is. That's good symbolism. Agreed. This does actually a good job of that. It's not till you get to, I think, that last couple minutes where you realize, oh, I missed something because now this ending is kind of weird without knowing what we're actually talking about yeah because it doesn't really ever tell it you you, like you said you have to read between the lines and it doesn't even give you a a in your face clue that there's a deeper subtext going on throughout the movie if you're not expecting one to be there and i think the only reason i expected one to be there is because i at least had some knowledge of this franchise prior to this yeah and you know, a little so, bit of foreknowledge and you know to look for it but otherwise right just bam Other, yeah <laughs> otherwise you're 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 wondering about the technology and how all that works and all of a sudden oh wait a minute the technology why the technology works is not the important part of this mm-hmm. it's what that means for the person inside the technology which in some ways the title tells you that's what it's about but it's yeah. It, out of context, when you look at the title, it kind of doesn't really say much. It just sounds like a weird anime title. Oh, and you get you're, it's a little Englishy. Yeah, and if you when you really watch it, you get so much more out of the movie. You know, you yeah. get this um, like one of my favorite things about it, and this was this has really kind of become my new favorite thing about it is you get this um, um, that's the word I'm looking for. You you get this idea that the the major uh, uh, Motoko. Um, struggles with uh, dysmorphia of a form, mm-hmm. you know, because technically she's never had a body. She, right. She's yeah. a collection of brain cells that are inside a life support system in a metal case inside a robotic head on top of her yeah. robotic body. Yeah, um, yeah. Every and as a result, for all her life she's very, been in a synthetic body. Yeah, you get this very strong idea as a result in this film that she she has very she has little to no care for that body whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like there's constantly in the film and, you know, this is this is part of the age gate on this movie. Um, 
the the major will just if it's advantageous, she'll just strip down. Um, and there's a reason, yeah. you know, she's robotic parts that give her a cloaking device. Yeah. Very clever, very clever reason for 13 year old Brian to see boobs in an anime. <laughs> but um, beyond that, however, um, looking at it as 38 year old Brian, 37, 37. There's not yeah, eight, 37. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the the major has no concept. This this isn't a body to her. It's not her. This is a device she uses to interact with the world and it's so interesting to see other characters interaction with it like there's the scene where she's fighting the guy who had the uh the cloaker the cloak hoodie type mm-hmm, thing yeah. and she takes him down and she's just kind of standing there naked in this like ankle yeah. deep pool of water and like her partner comes over to her and his immediate reaction is to throw his coat over her and she mm-hmm. doesn't even respond yeah. Or the diving scene when she comes back out and she's changing out of her wetsuit into her normal clothing. He immediately turns away mm-hmm. because Bato and so many other characters in the world around the major, you know, they see her as this human being that she's struggling with and she doesn't mm-hmm. even know how to react in that context. Yeah. You know, but so, once again, if you don't watch like three, two second clips in the film, you mm-hmm. miss that entire question about the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So my dislike in this film, I actually would define more as a disappointment than actually a dislike. Because I don't know if I actually don't like it. It's just I, I'm not happy with the ending of this movie. Because I, I understand from her perspective why she goes ahead and agrees to merge her ghost with his, even if I don't understand how that works. But at the same time, I was like no you shouldn't do it that way I, I, somehow you y'all should both survive somehow I don't know I don't even know what the right answer to, to what I what I would prefer to that it's just the ending was disappointing it's like oh it's I expected them to try it or him to force it on her and it not work but then it's like by the end it's like oh they are now the same person and they're not either one of the same people that were so are they a new, I mean, they're a new being, obviously. Yeah, it's but an amalgamation of the it's two. Amalgamation of the two, but they're still kind of the same two people inside, in a, in a way. It's it's one of those things where it's like I understand what you're ta- saying, and I understand the worldview this movie is presenting makes that okay. And that from that perspective, it's just the ending was so disappointing. It's like uh, I wanted you to come out and like yourself more than decide to essentially throw your life away to see if living with another being as a part of another being would be better it felt like she committed suicide in a way at the end of that movie and i i just i don't like that yeah and it it, it really does it's it's one of those things and i think really it, it really came across as maybe a limitation of the world they had built is mm-hmm. um no matter like you had this whole time with the puppet master who was a computer program who spontaneously acquired sentience for exposure to the vastness of the internet, the internet. Um, and then you have the major who was, you know, literally part of a brain inside of show. We, we went through that. Um, yeah. but you have this infinite being who feels lost because they are part of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And yet, because of that they are nothing and then you have the major who's kind of always felt trapped inside a box literally yeah you mm-hmm. know 
and she she wonders if this is even her. Is is this really who I am? Mm-hmm. You know, can I? You know, but she can't get out of it. So in the right. end, you have this scene because of the way it was told in the story on on the surface level. Both of those shells are destroyed, so this being so this mm-hmm. being survives. In mm-hmm. the end, I think really more what the what the what the writer was trying to say was that you have. You have kind of the very, you know, both of these characters get what they want in the end. You, you get the Major, and you, spoilers for the sequel, um, the Major who kind of breaks free of her shell, and then you have the Puppet Master who finally has a personalized identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's those two beings exist. I, I think the scene where they're both shot by the snipers in the end, and only this new entity exists... Um, is very much so kind of a representation of that that final step of what defines a human is uh, mm-hmm. is protect the offspring. Um, you know, this isn't this entity isn't just a randomized blending of the major and the puppet master. For right. lack of a better phrase, it's their child. Mm-hmm. It, it's a child that they both gave up of they both gave up their lives in order to see move out into the world. Right. That makes sense. I, mean, I I get it. Don't get me wrong. It's just I kind of wish we'd gotten a different answer. I guess is really what yeah. I'm, what I'm, yeah, what well, I'm disappointed at. Because because admittedly, yeah. well yeah. Because admittedly, I look at this and I'm re- quickly reminded of the end of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, which has a very similar thing between Decker and Viger, or mm-hmm. Ilya. If you're going to be mad, mm-hmm. but let's face it. He did he did that because he wanted to be with Ilya if we're being honest in some way. Mm-hmm. But still, that's dealing with the same thing. It's like a, a, a combination of the two becoming this whole new entity, and we don't know what that will lead to. And of course, in Star Trek, we never find out, unless you read fan theories about it being the Borg, but I hate those. Yeah, the Borg are but, older than that. But. Yeah, they're a lot older than that. But at the same time, it's not a deal-breaker for this movie. It doesn't even knock it down any points because it's like I said it's not a dislike really it's just a disappointment that that's how they decided to end the movie and it don't get me wrong it fits thematically with the rest of the movie it's just I was kind of hoping for I guess a lightning at the end yeah like here's the, you know we've we've done all this struggle and this analyzing of this of this problem that we've presented and our answer is we're gonna make a second one, <laughs> in a sense. Well, even then, we're gonna ha- we're just having be a ch- have there be a child, and it's somehow both, but yet it's a no being. But anyway, I don't think the sequel is even originally intended. I, I think yeah. the sequel came about as demand. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not just, saying the sequel was intended. It's just yeah. Well, and it's style, you, yeah. Well, it just if sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. That style of ending is really indicative of Eastern storytelling too. Yeah, you know it's. Here, here is a problem. Here is conflict. Here is the first breath of resolution. Now we're going to cut you loose. Yeah, and, that, and that don't happens. get me and don't get me wrong. I do appreciate it when the movie doesn't answer all the questions. They leave some for you, the viewer, to take apart and analyze and come to your own decision based on the evidence they give. And I appreciate that in a movie. It's just in some ways, I guess this is just. I, I don't know. I'm so used to modern movies at this point. 
and a lot and action-packed blockbusters and such. It's like I wanted an ending, and we didn't really get an ending. We just got this happened, and uh, it's a newborn, and we're not going to tell you anything. We're not even going to give you a montage during the end credits to see what she does. It's just we're done, and we'll if we get to make a sequel in seven eight years, we'll 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 explore this a little more. <laughs> Well, can, can I say this? The fact that, be like, you have this new... The Major gets a new body. Mm-hmm. Be like, obviously, the the Major and the Puppet Master kind of become one entity, and it's kind of a new beginning for everything. Yeah. So Which is symbolizing the fact that it's a child's chassis. Ex- exactly. Because, admittedly, it makes sense you wouldn't have a... You wouldn't put a child brain in an adult body that wouldn't... That would probably not be yeah, good for that the, brain's the, development. Yeah, but the symbolism goes there. It's, yeah. it's it's a new beginning. It's it's a new life. It's a new it's a new journey. And I can appreciate that. It's just, eh, it's not the. It, I just wish I we we got more in a certain mm-hmm. way. And, and and believe me, I do think that's a good sign of a good movie. It's like it leaves you wanting more. That means that's a good excuse to watch it again to see if you can find more that you missed the first time. Yeah. It, it does ride that line between leaving you hungry and leaving you starving, though. Yeah. And it, it's almost you're, you're uncomfortable. It's not that you want more. It's you need more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot and, of your rub comes with it, Drew, is yeah. it, it does and admittedly, leave you hanging. Yeah. And admittedly, I didn't get a chance to watch this a second time through, which I really want to do now uh, before this review, because I still get the feeling, even though I was paying attention, that I missed stuff. Because... Yeah. Uh, you can't catch everything the first time through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with everything y'all have talked about, I can tell I've missed stuff. So there's my there's my ranty scene that'll probably wind up in the bloopers. So <laughs> <laughs> about all right. the little symbolism and foreshadowing nods that happen in this movie oh, that yeah. are just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's not one of those movies that you can watch one time and get every single nuance. Because mm-hmm. like you said, be like you watch it like every there's like every time you watch it there's something new or it's like yeah. oh, okay I understand even more depth or where you know. How, how far the rabbit hole of this goes mm-hmm. and it's it's a phenomenal film yeah phenomenal it is, it is it is phenomenal i'll give you that so uh that brings us to the end of the review i think unless y'all have anything else y'all want to bring up uh don't get me started um I can go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah brian, no, brian I, will I think, chase that ghost for infinity and beyond yes <laughs> but yeah no i i think i think we tackled it really well but seriously like go watch it folks it's yes yeah you can disagree so, with every single idea any of us have said about it and still enjoy this. Movie. Oh, it's, I agree with that. Yeah, come come to your own conclusions with this film and let us know down in the the comment section down below on a uh, Facebook or you know whatever uh, social media platform you want and just you know let us know what you thought of this film. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, Brian, what would you actually give this rating? With this movie as a rating? Um, one. To, if you had to, if you had to boil to it down to a number. I'm sorry, go ahead, Drew. If, no, say, if you have to boil it down to a number, what have would you bo- boil it down to? Oh, orange. No. <laughs> <laughs> decision, decisions. No, um, Ghost in the Shell, 1 to 10, and um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with a solid 9. Okay. Like, mm. Pretty high praise, but honestly, I've been a fan of this movie for more years that like you know having discovered this movie and fallen in love with it at somewhere between 13 and 15 um mm-hmm. i've been a 
I've been alive and a fan of this movie longer than I was alive and not a fan of this movie at this point. And it still hasn't gotten old. But you guys inviting me on caused me to rewatch two different versions of it. And now I rebought a new version of it. And I'm probably going to get bored on the holiday weekend and watch it again. <laughs> All right. Jacob, what do you rate this movie? Oh, well, after that, good night. Like, because originally I had it at a uh, 8.5. Mm-hmm. An 8.5. Uh, I'm going to go with Brian. It's, it's a solid 9. It's a solid, It's an amazing technical achievement for a film. It goes so deep into philosophy, goes too deep into the uh, the the meaning of life, what life means, mm-hmm. and it's so utterly complex. It's one of those films that every time you watch it, because there's some films you watch and it's like, okay, I get the gist. I could probably watch it again and understand maybe a little bit more. Right. But this movie, like every time you watch it, there's something more. There's there's a, a, another angle to you know attack. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's a it's a fantastic film that needs to be loved and cherished by those who are going to go and watch it because I know this is a movie not for everybody. And uh, yeah, definitely give it a nine. Drew, I'm going to give this an eight point five. All right, and a lot of that I will grant you comes from having only gotten one viewing in this, and I still have many questions that I'm, I'm fairly certain might get answered with a rewatch. So, and I'm sure the more I rewatch this, the more I'm going to like it. And it will probably eventually end up at a nine, but right now I'm going to give it an 8.5. It's enjoyable. It's, a f- I wouldn't call it a fun movie, but it is an exciting movie and it's got a good mystery, even if mm-hmm. I don't like how the mystery is ends, but that's beside the point. Uh, but yeah, if you enjoy science fiction that makes that asks the tough questions and asks philosophical questions uh definitely give this a watch it's a good movie all right uh well there again thank you brian for coming and joining us well uh, we we still got a roll for our next movie oh yeah that's right never mind yes. cut that yeah so uh sitting on our dice at number one well monsters versus aliens has been sitting on the list for a while now it's this is its seventh episode so it has mutated into to fill both spots one and five. Sitting at number two, we've got the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Number three, Dragon Ball Z: The Dead Zone. Number four, Toy Story, and on number six, The Adventures of Tintin. Before uh, I roll this, uh, Brian, do you have any uh, thoughts on any of those movies? I'm uh, I'm rooting for The Adventures of Tintin, so I'll finally have an excuse to watch it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also want to see how big Monsters vs. Aliens can get. That's understandable. (laughs) I want to see see you guys roll that die and somehow it land on an edge or fall off the table and it's still not the movie picked. (laughs) Well, it is what it is. So uh, it is my roll this week. So I need something to roll this on. Ah, hang on. Come here, anime cover. Yes. All right, so roll this thing. Okay, I rolled a two. So next week we're watching The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Okay, that's going to be cool. Now I have a few days head start. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, join us for that uh, next time. 
Come, Jacob. We must prepare for next week. Prepare for what, Drew? Same thing we do every week, Jacob. Record a podcast! Oh, boy! Thanks again, Brian, for coming in and joining us for this amazing episode of the Cellcast. Uh, where can the where can our audience find you? Okay, well, thank you. First and foremost, thank you guys for having me on. This has really been a treat. Um, I guess the easiest way to find me, even though the website looks horrible right now, would be brianrafe.com or, of course, all those social media platforms you're already using. Uh, Facebook.com slash brianrafe, um, at brianrafe on Twitter, and uh, brianrafewriter on Instagram. But if you just search for brianrafe, it'll pull me up. Um, and uh, Or you can always just hop onto Amazon and Google my name or the name William Codex for the novel. Uh, William Codex, Knight of the Silver Sword, uh, first book, still out now, uh, available in ebook or print. And uh, the second book, I was really hoping to have a summer release date, but it's looking more like fall, winter 2020. Um, but it's coming very soon, so please keep an eye out for it. All right. I awesome. got All right. I got two questions for you. One, will there be an audiobook of uh, William Codex and... The first one. There will eventually be an audiobook. I'm trying to track down readers right now. Because um, as much as I've heard a couple of people say I should just read it, I don't think my voice is William Codex's, and it's all first-person narrative. Um, that being said, um, I've got a couple of promising options. However, if anyone wants to track down Nick Podell on Twitter and just start planting the seed in his head, uh, if you want to do the audio for this book... I mean, by all means, go ahead, please. <laughs> okay, so you said you are working on a second book to the William yes. Codex stories. Can you give us a little inkling, like, what's going on? Because, like you said, this could be also be coming out late 2020. So yeah. could, you, could you give our audience a little tidbit of sure. what's coming up? Sure thing. In the, uh, and to do that, just real quick, because I, I know I'm not a household name or anything. In, in the first book, you meet William Codex, who's an FBI agent who um, isn't a monster hunter. He's a monster law enforcement officer. Um, he polices and protects the supernatural world, um, both protects us from it and protects it from us. Um, and in the first book, you kind of really get a tour of his world and... Um, trying not to spoil too much here but everything goes William's way in the first book for the most part um, in the second book um, titled uh, William Codex um, Uncertain Origins um, you really get to see things turn upside down and you really get a feeling for how big the world is and how scary a world full of monsters and mayhem can be for a guy who really has his wits and his trusty cult 45 Ah, very cool. So, can you mention again what uh, podcast you're a part of? Um, yes, um, the Dustrous Podcast. Um, we play a uh, highly modified version of the Pathfinder tabletop RPG uh, for your uh, for your laughter and entertainment. Um, fair warning, uh, they cut me off of the rating chain on that one. Um, so be advised, don't go in faint of heart, but um, if, if you're willing to listen to a dirty joke or two, Dustrous a riot. Um. All right. <laughs> All right, good deal. Well, there again, thank you so much for uh, joining us. And thank um, you guys. Yeah, if, yes, if, indeed. 
yeah, if you are uh, if you're willing or able, be like we'd love to have you have you on another time. Sure thing. Anything that tackles um, ghosts in the shell type topics, or um, and of course, if, you know, I, I I guess anything that tackles the supernatural or whatnot, I, I get deep into all that folklore as a result of the book. So, all right, excellent. So where can they find you, Jacob? They can find me on Facebook at Jacob B. Heron and Jacob's Daily Art Corner, my personal art Facebook page, on Twitter at Jacob B. Heron, on Instagram at Jacob B. Heron, and on Letterboxd at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our RSS feed, if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.